It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. That's right, I'm your host, Nick Ferguson. You listen to Voice America Sports, and you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Also, you can find my counterpart, my ace, Mario Batanzi at Mile High. Mario, it is February 27th, and let me start off by saying this. Uh, this day in black history, in 1869, Congress adopts the 15th Amendment. Well, what a great uh, amendment. Uh, also, uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. As we well, always do. As we always do. Uh, Kennard Lang is going to join us in the bottom of the hour, but uh, well, I'm going to jump right, right in. I, I just can't wait. Now, uh, two weeks are in the book. Uh, Sochi Olympics, uh, it's, just, it's, it's gone. It's pretty much over. Now, my biggest question I have for you, and listeners, if you want to get in the conversation, you can hit us up at 888-346-9144, or you can hit up either Mario or myself on Twitter and, and chime in on this. But, but Mario, I mean, it seemed like the Winter Olympics, it, it came and it went. I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch it uh, strongly, you know, I tuned in to see certain uh, certain events, uh, but it, it just something about the Winter Olympics that is totally different than the Summer Olympics. Everyone is waiting for every event. They have, uh, you know, Usain Bolt. Everyone wants to watch swimming because of Michael Phelps. You have all these other events, and because of the individual participating, we want to watch them. But the Winter Olympics, for some reason, seems a little different. It's just like they're losing their star power. So I wonder how long will the Winter Olympics, even though I know it's every four years and it's one of those things where countries get together, but but how long is it that the Winter Olympics, in in your opinion, you think can really survive internationally? Well, here's the strange thing like you're talking about. Look back to the last couple Winter Olympics. There was always an athlete for people to kind of grip onto. Like in the past, like four years ago, it was Sean White, and I know he was back in these Olympics, but he like his popularity right now has dipped significantly compared to what it was about four years ago. Plus, he cut off his hair, and I'd been saying, Mr. Ferguson, <laughs> that because Sean White cut off his hair, look, people were calling me crazy when I said this, but I predicted that he would not win a medal because he cut off his hair, and everyone's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That doesn't make any sense. But you know what? When you have something like that, that consistently over and over and over again, you're doing these flips, you're doing these spins, these turns, whatever. It's physics, man. Your body gets used to it a certain way. So you cut off that hair and let's say that hair is a couple ounces. That's physics. Right. It, that is going to throw you off a millimeter, a centimeter, whatever, and you're going to fall or you're not going to be able to do what you did before. And that's why I predicted that he wouldn't meddle. And people call me stupid and then he didn't. But back, back to your question, there wasn't really an athlete for Americans to grip onto la- uh, this year. Right. But last Winter Olympics, like I said, was Sean White. It was Apollo Anton Ono, who was there four years ago, and then the four years ago prior to that. And then it was the, uh, the African-American speed skater. I apologize, I'm spacing on his name right now. But there was always some sort of story, like Bodie Miller. And Bodie Miller right. was back, but there was 
not a story surrounding him. So I think that's why people had a hard time getting up for the Winter Olympics. And the biggest thing was, A, Sean White didn't medal. He got fourth very early on in the game. So, you know, people were kind of turned off towards it because there was no buildup to his events. And then you had hockey. You had women's hockey and men's hockey. And let's be perfectly honest. If you are a fan of hockey and an intelligent hockey individual, you knew that the ch- America's chances of winning, of either beating Canada or Sweden for the gold medal, were very slim. Let's be perfectly honest. Now, the female, man, Nick, never has two inches ever gotten a group of women yes. so excited. <laughs> My goodness. They missed the open net by two inches. Canada comes down, scores, ends up winning the gold. And from that point on, that was so demoralizing. And then the fact that the Mer- the American women had to watch them. They couldn't go into the locker room. They couldn't get changed. They couldn't unwind anything like that. They had to stay in their gear. They had to stay on the very ice where they had just blown a 2 nothing lead in three minutes. And they had to watch the Canadians, their hated rivals, probably the best rivalry we saw in the Winter Olympics. Absolutely. They had to see them get the medal in front of them. And the camera was all up in their face. Nobody seemed happy about it. And so after the letdowns of hockey and Sean White's letdown, I know that they were second in the total medal count, and Russia was first thanks to some conspiracies that we can get in later if you want to. (laughs) But, man, it's, yeah, Americans, they kind of, it's about the Summer Olympics. They're more interested in the Summer Olympic Games because in the Winter Olympics, it's all about, either sliding on an even level of ice or snow or sliding down a hill of snow and, and you in, know, in, in, in several different ways. That's right. it. And, and the Olympic black uh, African-American speed skater was Shawnee, uh, Shawnee Davis, and he, he yes. did battle. And I think that was kind of a, uh, something that was really disappointing because, like you say, usually Michelle Kwan, Christina Yamaguchi, these are the names that you normally hear about that carry right. uh, the Olympics as far as the Americans are concerned. But when, when Sean White and you have Lolo Jones who try to transition from track and the summer game, track and field in the summer games to maybe uh, bobsledding, but, but it, that didn't pan out. And I think it's, it's really disappointing. And one thing I, I really like, I like the rivalries and the seeing them renewed between the United States and, and, and Canada. And to Canada's credit, I mean, they did a great job. They, they made uh, the plays that they needed to make. But back-to-back Olympics, they're standing on the podium with, with gold. And, and, and it raises another question to me. You know, both hockey and curling are the two sports that are probably duly noted in, in Canada. And with the fact that, you know, the women lost and the way they lost and the men lost, I mean, they got pounded by Canada. And then after that, Finland came and said, you know what, we're going to pile on too. We've put our five goals on you as well. You could tell the USA just did not care at all about that game. Yeah, but, but the, here's the thing. As American and watching the Winter Olympics, are we really that, you know, concerned or emotionally distraught about both men and women's hockey losing opposed to if Canada would have lost, how distraught that they might have been? Right. Hey, right now, Nick, speaking of the conspiracy theory that I brought up, we all know, obviously, the Olympics were in Russia. Russia won uh, the medal count. They had the most amount of medals. Now, what I'm going to post on my Twitter right now, you can go see it, at Mile High Mario, is a picture of a Russian uh, figure skater, Adelina Sotnikova, hugging one of the Russian judges after receiving gold. 
So let me ask you this, Nick, and I'm going to put it on on Twitter right now, at Mile High Mario. What is your thought about this? I had an absolutely huge problem with it, especially because something like figure skating and ice dancing, whatever you're going to call it, is so subjective. It is led completely up to the judges. I've seen routines where I thought, oh, they were perfect, and they got sixth. And then I've seen routines where I was like, oh, it looked like they kind of tripped there or they didn't do this very well. It was too, not too exciting. And they get the gold. So I'm going to put that up right now. Why don't you tell me what you think about that? Do you have a problem with the judge, the Russian judge that basically gave her gold hugging the skater? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, well here, here it is from my standpoint. There's two ways you can look at it. You can say, well, maybe she was congratulating her countrymen for a job well done or... Just the fact that, like you said, I mean, is that the discretion of these judges when they're looking at uh, figure skating, how well they're dancing, movements, uh, you know, on the ice? So so you, you never know. And I think that was a big controversy going into the game with the games being in Sochi uh, to begin with. And now you're talking about, you know, figure skating. So to me, that might have been a little home cooking because you got to think you're in Russia you, you've been constantly since the Cold War, I mean, you know, going against the United States. So you, so this might be your only platform to just show, you know what? We might not be able to beat you in the, in the Summer Olympics, but we own the Winter Olympics and it's in our backyard. So it might have been one of those things, but not everyone left the, the, the Winter Olympics empty-handed. You talked about ice skating. I mean, we, go, we had a gold medal in ice, ice dancing, excuse me, and we've never... We've never won a gold medal in that. I think we haven't won a gold medal since, uh, what is it, uh, Blades of Glory. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, hey, man, that's Michael Michaels tears up that ice, dude. Yeah, so, so, so congratulations to them. But you know what? Here's the one thing. We talk about star power in the Winter Olympics. You know, Kate Hansen, uh, who's from Burbank, California, you know what? She, she didn't medal. She, won, she finished 10th. And her event, the Olympic Luge, uh, Luger, uh, pardon me. Uh, but one thing I liked about her, when they showed her before she got up for her event, I mean, she looked easy, you know, easy breezy. She was she was just kind of relaxed. She had her headphones on. Uh, she got some criticism for some of the, the analysts that were talking about uh, were covering the Olympics. But the one thing, I don't know if you really look, looked at it, but you can go back in YouTube, and I'm sure it's, it's up there. But sister has some moves. She has some sweet moves. I mean, I mean, she was she was doing a doggy. I mean, she <laughs> moonwalking. But to me, I think that's what you have to have. You have to be loose when you go into these events and, and not put a lot of pressure on yourself. So I'm sure we'll see her in a couple of years in Olympics. But I, but I, I had to touch on that because I, I like what uh, what she was bringing to to her sport. Just kind of starting to trying to stay loose. But uh, Michaela uh, Sheffron. An eighteen-year-old wins the gold, and the that was an awesome story. Yes, slalom. You know, and and these this is the thing I love about the win the the Olympics, whether it's summer or it's the Winter Olympics. Just the fact of the stories that that you you hear about. You know, what motivated the individuals to pursue a particular sport, and and the humanistic side of it, and trying to do it for a, a brother that's in the war or another brother that might be enduring some health issues. But those are the things, the big winners of the Winter uh, Olympics. So so kudos and hats off to all the participants, whether you won a medal 
or you did not, just the fact that you got there and you, you just kind of competed, I take my hats off to you because as a former athlete, I know how tough it, it is to to win anything, any competition. They need to put football in the Summer Olympics. No, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, I can imagine every other country losing. Exactly. Well, it'd be kind of like basketball in the late 80s, early 90s, well, and well, current. Well, you remember what happened now when, when, when they put the college and amateurs in, in those basketball games, and, you know, we got our heads pounded in, and they's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. David Stern was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Basketball <laughs> is our sport. It's an international game. We're going to get some of our pros. Come on, let's get this dream team in here and just wipe the floor with everyone else. So, no. we that's don't. A, and that's a, that's a great point, Nate, because if we're going to talk about hockey in the Winter Olympics, Canada is the USA of hockey. Right. So the Team USA basketball is just like Team USA or uh, Team Canada for hockey, in my opinion. So, so, so you're expected to win. So, so you're saying we so should. So that's why it shouldn't have been. What, what, so are you suggesting we even the playing field by saying, okay, well, we give you the Winter Olympics. So with the summer, we're going to introduce a game that, that is not foreign to us, that we do very well, and it's football. Yes. And we, we're going to say, you, we implore you to go out there and get some of your country's best to play against our Peyton Mannings and Andrew Lux of the world. Is that what you're suggesting? That is exactly what I'm suggesting. And you know what? For that matter, they should add baseball as well because you cannot convince me that some of these events they have in the Olympics, and I'm not going to single any out, but let's just be perfectly honest, Nick. Maybe a little quick uh, preview of real talk. There are are sports, quote-unquote sports, that are more activities that are Winter Olympic events. But you don't have baseball, which is not only one of the most popular sports in America, but in all of these impoverished countries, you know, why not give Cuba and the Dominican Republic and places like that a chance to compete, like really compete in the Olympics? I know they have the World Baseball Classic, so why not just move it to the Olympics? It's more of a sport than a lot of these other events because, and that's the thing, they have to call them events because they're not sports. <laughs> so you put in football. You know what? Make it flag football. Okay? I don't really care. Put football in there. If you're worried about people getting hurt or you're worrying about America just running rickshaw over people, make it flag football or Canadian football or whatever. But put some real sports into the Olympics, not just events, not just activities. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the odds of that happening are slim to none. because. You can't get guys to perform in the Pro Bowl, but you want them to try to go and play for their country to win a gold medal in football. Good luck. You, you have better odds of going to Brown, Yale, or, or Harvard and getting their um, uh, lacrosse team, you know, or to get them to go out there and, and compete. But you're not going to get NFL players. You, you, you can forget about it. You might you might want to go to those same schools and get their rugby team, but NFL players in Olympics. I know it sounds great. Pipe dream, not going to happen. Yeah, Not going to happen. I understand. Well, I, well I, I tell you what, man, we, we, we definitely have a lot of things to talk about. You know, in our second segment, we're going to talk about what's going on in Arizona and how that's going to affect the NFL. But before we go to the break, let me get you a quick uh, assessment on this. Now, D. Ford, who played for the Auburn Tigers, had some very personal things to say about Jadavion Clowney at the at the Combine this past week, and we're talking about the Combine when we get Kennard Lane 
on the show will be joining us at the bottom of the program, former University of Miami standout. Uh, the fact of saying, you know, here's a guy that has a lot of talent, but he can't put it together. And often we, I've heard that tagline used by coaches, blind dog in the meat house. So simply he was saying jokingly, and I give you the air quotes, that Jadavion Clowney, once again, great talent, great speed, but he doesn't play every down, he doesn't show up, and he can run, but he doesn't know where to go find the meat. I understand. Hey, when you have his kind of athleticism, and let me real quick before we go into break, put this into perspective. Haha Clinton Dix, one of the top DBs out of Alabama, ran a 4-5-2. Clowney ran a 4-5-3. He was three one-hundredths of a second slower than DeAnthony Thomas, who was widely regarded the biggest weapon, the biggest X-factor in this draft. So I understand they're not really going to go straightforward and them running and not in pads. And we talked about this a little bit. We'll get into it is stupid, but you have to appreciate the athletic ability. That being said, I love what D Ford said. I agree. And he has a spot on my team because I love his candor and his vigor. Well, coming up after the break, we'll jump more into the NFL come by. And of course, a highly anticipated real talk segment at the end of the show. Kennard Lane should be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, Voice of America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
You are listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice American Sports. We bring you fun laughter, and we like to keep it real, uh, and keep it real serious and keep a lot of conversation dialogue going, not just about sports, about things that are really happening in society. And, and as I was thinking about what I was going to do for today's show, I, I came across a song that I felt that would definitely introduce this segment, but more importantly, uh, something that the masses need to hear. I like Justin, let him hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't matter yeah, yeah. what race, creed, or color. Everybody, we need each other. You know what? Harold Merriman and the Blue Notes, if you're not familiar with, that's Teddy P on lead vocals. And, and, and the reason I chose that song, uh, because we definitely need each other. No, no matter race, creed, or color, that shouldn't matter. We are all people. We bleed on the inside, which brings me to a very interesting point. Uh, the state of Arizona has uh, been in the news yet again. And if you're not familiar, this is the same state that had... Uh, a bill uh, that's 1070 that it was kind of allowed for racial profiling and provisions in the state of Arizona. And yet they have done it again. Uh, they, uh, there was a bill that was passed bill 1062, which allow business owners to deny service based on the owner's religious beliefs. And that's uh, discrimination against gay, lesbian and transgender community. And I think for, for, all that has happened over our history as a country, we need to move forward, not move back. But due to some outstanding pressure, and I would say that come from the NFL, Roger Goodell, uh, Jane Brewer, the Arizona governor, vetoed this bill. Now, when I heard that the bill was even passed, I was like, well, you don't even need outside pressure from Roger Goodell and outside communities. This thing should have never passed to begin with. But when I look at how it could affect the residents of Arizona, the NFL fans as a whole, and the president he was just setting uh, across the country, you know, I was just pretty much appalled by the whole idea, but I'm glad that it was vetoed. And, and I'll read you something uh, really quick, and I don't want to turn it to anything political, but uh, Brian Sands, a uh, Democrat representative from uh Philadelphia had this to say. Each of us put our hand on the Bible and swore to uphold the Constitution. We did not place our hands on the Constitution and swear to uphold the Bible. Uh, very powerful words for Philadelphia Democratic Representative Brian, Brian Sims. And, and Mario, you could chime in on this. When you first heard this, what's the first thing that came to mind? And, and, and when you look at Roger Goodell and the commissioner putting pressure on the state of Arizona to overturn this verdict. Well, you know what, man? I First and foremost, I was appalled that this was an issue, that this was actually happening. I mean, I have homosexual members of my family. I have homosexual friends. You know, we interact with these people, and I don't mean to say these people, like they're so different, every day. And it gets back to that song, man, we need one another. Are we really so close-minded as a human race, as a population in America, that one of our states is going to try and branch off and do this? And what really makes me sick, 
Mr. Ferguson, is the fact that this would have passed if they didn't threaten to withdraw the Super Bowl next year from Arizona because we know what a big boost that economy it is to have a Super Bowl in your state or city or what have you. So in my opinion, not only should they not let Arizona have the Super Bowl next year, which pains me to say because my parents have a place down there who's going to try and get tickets to the Super Bowl that they Next year would be a lot easier than going up to New Jersey. But if this is the kind of thinking we can expect from a place like that, they don't deserve the Super Bowl, and they don't deserve an NFL team. I actually said it on my Facebook page and on Twitter. They should just move Arizona to L.A. Let L.A. have their football team. Arizona no longer deserves it. It, It's it's so frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. We have a a caller, uh, Deborah, uh, on the line. Let's let her weigh in on on this, uh, this issue. Deborah, you're on. Hi, Nick. Uh, one thing that people aren't aware of, of course, a lot of people know about the uh, the laws in Arizona involving immigrants. But one thing they aren't aware of is this has gone on a lot longer than they thought. Uh, the anti-gay bill, basically mm-hmm. that's what it was, came from a lobbying group, was pushed by a lobbying group called the Center for Arizona Policy. Okay. Uh, they've also worked hard to kill an anti-bullying bill in Arizona because they were afraid it was designed to protect gay children. Right. They've been doing this stuff for a long time. Arizona, it, oh, it goes way beyond gay. Now, uh, Nick, you know my son. He's mm-hmm. fairly ethnic looking. Right. He, he lives to rock climb. Okay. Right. He passed on a trip, a school trip down to Arizona. They have great rock climbing down there. But he's kind of ethnic looking. That's a dangerous state for him because he can be picked up. He's a citizen. He traces back to the, the Mayflower, for goodness sakes. So, of course, he doesn't carry around proof of citizenship with him. He shouldn't have to. So, and so, so he so, can be picked up. So what was, was, was happening and what we've seen started... Uh, occurring over the past couple of years, when you look at Arizona and the state of Florida, wh- what I've gotten from people that I know who frequent both of these uh, places is you have to make sure you cross your I's and dot your T's before you go because the culture has now changed, uh, the legislation has now changed, and the laws have changed where it definitely affects uh, a greater number of people. Yeah, that's, that's true. And Arizona is one state I'm, I wouldn't go there. Um, it's, it's just too dangerous. But also people need to realize that they're traveling through the South period with the, the kind of immigration laws and stuff that they've put through. If you're a citizen, you need to bring a passport because there are checkpoints all along the way. And if you can't prove that you're a citizen, they have, in many of these places, they have the right to lock you up until you can prove it. Right. Well, well Deb, thank you for, for calling and and. and adding your two cents uh, on this issue. Uh, Mario, uh, another pressing situation, a topic that has been uh, you know, trending for this past week is the use of the N-word in the yes. NFL and the fact of penalizing players for using a word on the field. I can tell you this, in all my years of playing, I've heard a lot of words, adjectives, used to describe other people, their teammates, wives, girlfriends, however you want to frame it. But 
the N-word wasn't one of those words that I constantly heard. Now, my thing is, how do you police that? But the referees having so much to do and look at plays and diagnose and look at concussions and, and, and all of those, how do you regulate and penalize the use of the N-word? Do you really know, would the ref really know what direction it came from, what player it came from? So how do you really police this word itself? Yeah, and that's a great question, but honestly, I feel like that's the least of your worries. So I'm going to answer your question with a couple different, uh, couple different responses. First off, I don't have as much ground to stand on as you do. Okay, you're you're an African American. You're you've been around this word more than I have. You understand it more. The big issue I have with this, Nick, is if you start to give this word power, right? Then it becomes something so much more. I understand to a very, very small point why you would want to do this because it is an offensive term, but let's be perfectly honest. How many Caucasian players are really saying the N-word on the field? And obviously you would know better than I do, but I have a very hard time believing that very many uh, Caucasian players are saying this word. And isn't that really mostly the issue? There's so many other worse words, and like you were saying, so many other worse things to say to a human being than if an African-American is calling another African-American the N-word. So if we make it this big deal where it's 15 yards, 15 yards, a personal foul, you can't regulate that. Like you said, it's very difficult to know where it came from, who said it, how to police it. But 15 yards... For saying something when you get all caught up in the game. Football, in my opinion, is the most emotional sport you will play in because it is in a collision sport. You are constantly going. You're constantly hitting. You know, you get tangled up. You're going to fight your own teammates. The guy could be your best friend in the world. If he drops a pass or misses a block or whatever, you're going to get in his face. And because it gets heated, you push him. He pushes you back. Now, all of a sudden, you've started a feud with your own player because it's such an emotionally driven game. So because of that, sometimes things are going to be said that you don't mean, that you don't want to say, but they just come out. So dropping the N-bomb, as it were, it, 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 it makes no sense to me. Honestly, I'm, I'm baffled that this is even an issue, that you're going to try and penalize somebody for getting emotional. If they throw a punch, <clears throat> if they say something to, something to the official that's something completely different. But if you get all caught up, and what if you say to your own teammate, Nick, let's say that you're still playing and one of your teammates comes up to you and, the, and, and you're celebrating and you say, oh, my N-word, good job, whatever. Are they going to penalize you for that? Well, okay, let, let, if you just joined the program, uh, we're, we're talking about the state of Arizona and the fact that the bill was vetoed by Arizona Governor Jane Brewer. Also, we're talking about the use of the N-word in NFL and the 15-yard penalty it could carry. But let's take this conversation a little further. I'll put it this way. You know, and with the example you just gave me, never once in my career in college, CFL, or even NFL that I wanted to utter a part of my lips to say to another player who just made a great play and used the N-word. There's so many words in my vocabulary. It was... It was a word that was forbidden, even though it was part of the culture I grew up in and, and everyone outside of our doors were using it. It was forbidden to say it in, in our house. 
My mom would say, if, you, if you're using swear words or you're using the N-word, that showed a lack of vocabulary on your behalf. I don't think it's a word that should be used at all. Some, some try to classify it and justify it. Oh, it's a term of endearment and all that. That's a bunch of hogwash. Don't use the word because just like you said, if you use it as African-American and, and, and you're kind of giving it power, you can say you can change the ending of the word, but it's still the same, same, same derogatory meaning. And yeah. then if someone that's not black were to use the word and, and right after they heard you use it, now, oh, it's a big ruckus. Now you want to fight. Now you want to jump, you know, uh, Billy, you know, bad, you know, whatever. But no, it's a word that should not be used. Uh, it, it's not really used that often as mo- more, most people really think in the NFL. Uh, it's not. I, I've heard some other words that, that starts with M's, B's, and F's. Yes. Not, not the N word. So it's just something that needs to just kind of stop, period. And if we as African-American players and African-American people don't give it power, don't put it in our music, don't put it in uh, uh, any uh, you know, rap songs or any kind of depiction of that in movies, maybe now the word loses its power. Now exactly. it's, it's not as trendy as it once was, whether it was being used in the black community or the white community. So I said, uh, you know, just kind of do with it, you know, period. Now, m- moving on to something else. Of course, the NFL combine has just taken place and a lot of hopefuls are trying to get their stock up and, and just kind of get noticed. But one thing important, I mean, there's been a lot of kind of talk about, you know, what Teddy Bridgewater isn't and what Johnny Manziel is. Now, former Cowboys head coach Barry Switzer had this to say if, if he had a draft pick and he was picking in the first round, uh, Manziel would be the guy that he would select. And I'll give it to you this way. He even put Manziel in the same conversation with Oscar Robinson and Michael Joy. Now, now that's a little that's a little much. And yeah. And you know what? And Roger Worski, who I, 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 you know, I respect him as an analyst. I he, do not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he does a great job breaking down quarterbacks on that four letter network. But he said that he would not take Johnny Manziel because he viewed him as being a, a project. Now, do you are you a firm believer in all this hype coming into this draft with Johnny Manziel? Well, here's the thing, Nick. We've talked about it on this very program before. I think Johnny Manziel has a very high ceiling. I think he's very raw, but it all depends on where he goes. Right. If he goes to a team where he has a chance to succeed, like Houston, for instance, let me let me preface this by saying if Houston doesn't take Jadavian Clowney, they're nuts. This is a once-in-a-decade player. <laughs> Enough said about that. But if they go with Manziel – he will have more success right. than anybody they have there now. If Arian Foster can come back, you have two very good receivers there. You know, you got obviously Andre Johnson, who's a top 10 receiver every single year. Every you single have a year. Decent offensive line and honestly, a really good defense. Now, the how good their defense was, Nick, was lost in translation because they were constantly on the field because their offense couldn't run the ball with Arian Foster out and with Ben Tate always hurt. And with Case Keenum playing quarterback, even though I thought he did fine, he is going to be a journeyman. He will be forever a backup. I don't see him ever really competing as a legitimate pro starter. And we all know Matt Schaub's time is up there. So it would make sense for them to get a quarterback, but to get one in free agency. Now, if 
Johnny Manziel were to go to Cleveland or if he were to go to Oakland, where in Cleveland they have Josh Gordon, but there's no run game. Right. The offensive line is fine, but I have a very difficult time believing that a quarterback not named Bernie Kosar is going to have success in Cleveland. And then you go <laughs> to Oakland, who has had like 96 different quarterbacks in the last three seasons or something. Right. We all know the history that Oakland has with quarterbacks. So if they draft Manziel, you know he's not going to be successful because Oakland took him. So it's all a matter of location. Honestly, I can see Manziel dropping in this draft because there's too much risk to take a guy like that in the first round. You either love him or you hate him. I love him if he's in the right system and they build a team around him for him to succeed. Very, 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 very true. I, I agree with everything that, that you're saying. And when you look at what quarterbacks are in the NFL and, and everyone's you know building this as a quarterback-driven league, the quarterback never wins a championship by himself. It's always a team effort. And you have to have a supporting cast around you. And after the break, we're going to talk to former University of Miami Hurricane, the U, standout, Kandar Lang, and get his take on what the combine is and how can the team actually predict how well a player is going to be in the future. You listen to Nick Ferguson. VoiceAmericaSports.com. We'll be back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. You're chilling with. Nick Ferguson at Nick Ferguson underscore 25 and at Mile High Mario. We have on the line our good friend, Kennard Lang, has uh, stopped by the program to join us. Uh, Kennard, are you on? 
Yes, I am. How are you doing there, Mr. Ferguson? I am doing wonderful, Mr. Lang. Okay, <laughs> now, first of all, you, 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 you played, you know, lights out at the University of Miami. Yes, and sir. you get a chance to go to Washington, uh, Cleveland, and the Denver Broncos. Yes, sir. But, but, but right now, right now you're doing some outstanding things in Orlando. I mean, you, you took a Jones High School and you just kind of, I don't want to say took them from obscurity and, and, and made them, you know, a big, big program in Orlando. But now you find yourself at Wikivia High School trying, uh, to, do, trying to do the same thing. You know, yeah. what is it about your current situation that you love so much being out there with the kids? Uh, you know what? I'll probably say the the thing that I enjoy the most that really encouraged me is the is the is the kids. Um, they want to get better and they want to work. Uh, I'll be honest with you. you. Got one kid here now. He made tremendous strides from last spring to this year, where he's going to be a college recruit. And it right. came to, it came to one word: teach. Mm-hmm. His last coaching staff did not teach him. A lot of these kids we have here did not teach them. So same thing, like uh, before I got here, the year before they went 1-9, and, and this year we went 6-5, and five, and we were in the um, district championship game. We win that, we go to, go to the playoffs. And in, and in both of those instances, I'll probably say the, the constant and consistent theme between both of those is uh, honesty to the kids and most importantly, teaching. Um, those two things I, I probably say have been the, have been basically what, what helped me succeed here in high school. Be honest with the kids and and teaching them. Well, you know, we we had a former linebacker from from the Florida Gators, Ben Hanks, on the program a couple of weeks back, yeah. and I asked him about how difficult is it. You know, you have so many neighboring schools in that one area. How, how is it that you're able to put a competitive team on the field year in year out? Uh, you know what? The, the big thing is it has to be a track record, track record and your name around. Right. Uh, I guess prior, I mean, even when I was growing up and even past recent years, um, like there'd be coaches here, uh, called Coach Gerke. Right. And, and with him, it don't matter what school he's at. He, he could have been somewhere across the country, but his history has, um, carried him where he being very successful where kids go to him no matter who it is so i think a lot of it deals with your name and, and your name and what you bring to the program now now canard the nfl combine is just uh wrapped up and you know jadavian Clowney was a top prospect coming out of high school uh he was a top prospect coming out of the nfl but everyone talked about his work ethic but he blew the doors off with a fast 40 yeah. And, and, you, and you, you're a guy that's been to the, the, the Combine and you were drafted early by Cleveland. Right. You know, talk to us about that Combine experience, but more importantly, do you think the NFL Combine is a great projector of how well a guy's going to play once he gets to the league? Um, okay, well, I'll probably say first, um, my experience with the Combine actually was great. I guess most importantly, you get to see other kids across the country who you rate up against. Right. And you see, and you see where you stand. That mm-hmm. that's one the positive thing, and you see the competitive nature from each one of them. And most importantly, like a college or a recruiter, he can see a kid out there if he wants to compete in those drills and see what kind of work ethic. If he see him do those in those drills and work ethic like that, you know he probably have something. 
Now, right. to answer your question, to the last part, I think it will be injustice if you grade a player pending on this combine. Right. I mean, classic example, not, no knocks against him, Mike Mamula. He came out of Boston College. Right. He had a bird of 38. That. He ran like a 4-5-40 field. He dropped in the top 10. He only lasted two years. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and the big thing about it, uh, like your boy Clowney, he ran a great time, but the proof in the pudding, the old saying, the eye in the sky don't lie. Right. And he, he playing like that without no money in his pockets. How are you going to play with money in his pocket? So, so, so if you were the Houston Texans with the number one pick, nope, would you I go take it? No, nope, well, he said it right there. <laughs> a guy who played the position said, you know, I, I would not take him. So if you, if you were the Texans, what would you do with that number one pick? Priority, need. What's my number one need? Well, one thing we now now need and value is a big thing in the NFL. But what we what we've seen, you know, especially watching the different Broncos. Sorry about this, Mario. Face the Seattle Seahawks. We saw defense once again show its superiority. Hey, over too offense. soon, man. Too soon. Yes, I mean that that, that is true. The, the, the defense was built there and it got them there. But defense won the game. I give them that. But also, too, they had a lot of other intricacies to help them get there. Now the defense is great. But right. it took Marshawn Lynch, the running back. It took Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Now, if Russell Wilson wasn't the quarterback, he is. A lot of those games he wouldn't have won, and they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in. True. And this, is a quarter, this is a quarterback-driven league. You can say what you want. When your boy got hurt from the Texans, he started playing bad. Next right. minute, the, the next minute, the Texans went, went, went from sugar to boo-boo. Right. So which brings, which brings me to a different, another question. Now, I've listened to so many people really devalue Russell Wilson as a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And say that, you know, he, he was a benefactor of being a part of an overall good team, right? right. And I'm like, we, you can't really, you know, devalue him as, as a player when you consider the fact that if, if Troy Aikman wasn't with the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. or he went to Cleveland, would he still have been Troy Aikman? See, see, I think one thing we get caught up in, um, Mr. Ferguson, we get too caught up in height, size, and the, dem- the, the, the physical features of an individual. Right. One thing you need to worry about, does he win games? Does right. he get the job done? Because it come down to the end of the day, it, it, you can say it you want. Does just Drew Brees get the job done? He's undersized. Right. He, he gets the job done. So now, in saying that, they put a system, Drew Brees is in a system that will help benefit him that play to his strong suits. Now, hypothetical, you do get Johnny Manziel, you got to get something that fits to his strong suit. Right. So Exactly. And, and so in saying that, I mean, shoot, if Manziel come in and just play halfway decent and make the throws he need to make, the easy throws, the good throws, and let his playmakers play for him, he'll look great. That's what Russell Wilson do. Absolutely. Hey, Kennard, one more thing before we get you out of here. Tell Anthony Davis that you had the original unibrow, and he can't take that from you without talking to you first. Okay, first first thing and foremost, I I appreciate uh, me putting the the copyrights of the unibrow, but but that's not one thing I'm really proud of, to be honest with you, 
Because I got tired of guys and kids looking at me. No, man, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Just because you're not proud of it, you need to take stake in it. If he's making money off the unibrow and you had it first, that's stealing, bro. You got to get what's yours. Do you know how embarrassing it is when a little kid come up to you and say, hey, mom, that's a little bird I drew on my paper. And he's pointing at my eyebrows. You remember that you used to put your little birds on the paper, like a little eyebrow, and like little golden arches from McDonald's? I mean, that, that's where I can be, but I don't want to take claim to that. Wow. You know, <laughs> it, if you're down in Orlando area, make sure you go to Rekiva High School and check out Kennard Lang. You can also find out what he's doing at www.kennardlangfoundation.org. Kennard, thank you for joining the program, and uh, here's another successful season and uh, getting into the playoffs with Rekiva High School. All right, thank you. I appreciate it, and one, I'm going to let everybody know Nick Ferguson and John Lynch is the best safeties ever played with in pro football. There you go. Yes, you sir. Said, there it is. It's been said. <laughs> I can go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kennard, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Oh, you hey, got Good luck, Kennard. Hey, thank you. All right. Now, we're at the bottom of the hour of our show, and as always, that can only mean one thing. Justin, once again, my on-site DJ, let's get it. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I'm being ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, I'm ridiculous. That's right, the Real Talk segment. It is ridiculous as far as what's going on around the country. First thing, Mario, the 49ers still have yet to give Jim Harbaugh uh, extension, even though he has two years on his deal. But both the Rams and the Bengals wanted to give their quarterbacks extension. Andy Dalton, yes, he's done some good things, you know, getting the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to a, a great start in, in his three years as a quarterback. But does it really deserve an extension? Is this ridiculous? Real talk. Real talk, man, this is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. If you're a Cincinnati fan or if you follow the Bengals at all, you know Andy Dalton is not the answer. You can't have a guy that throws five touchdowns and no interceptions one week, then comes back and throws three picks and no touchdowns the next week. Andy Dalton is the most inconsistent quarterback I think in the NFL right now, as far as his plateaus, his divots, whatever, when you're throwing to A.J. Green and you have a solid run game, you shouldn't be as bad as Andy Dalton is. And in St. Louis, we talked about this on the program last week, Nick. Why are you going to give Sam Bradford an extension? He's about 500 as an NFL quarterback. I know he hasn't had a lot of receiving options, but bottom line, he's not getting it done. You know who gets it done? Harbaugh. Two straight NFC Championship games. Now I know, I'm sorry, a Super Bowl appearance and an appearance in an NFC Championship game in what is considered to be one of, if not the toughest divisions in the NFL right now. What else does he have to do to get an extension, Nick? He is leading this team. They are winning. Real talk, man. Give him an extension or rue the day you wish you had. (laughs) NBA has become an international phenomenon. And yet again, they're looking to expand and add some more excitement to the NBA with the proposed four-point shot in the NBA Real talk, this is really ridiculous. What do you say, Mario? Real talk, Nick. What is the reason they added the three-point line in the first place? To give the white guy a chance. 
<laughs> but no longer is that an advantage for the white guy. So we need to have a four-point play because apparently it's NBA jams all over again. How about you have a spotlight come down every once in a while to have a 10-point shot from half court? Real talk, <laughs> man. This is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard in my life. Four-point play? This is basketball. This is not a video game. Real talk. Stop it. Should Kyrie Irving, the superstar from Duke, sign an extension with the Cavs this summer, or should he take a page out of uh, LeBron's book and take his talent elsewhere? Real talk. Real talk, man. Do you really want to know? Of course Kyrie Irving shouldn't stay in Cleveland. Are you kidding me? What kind of athlete actually wants to stay in Cleveland? Now, on my show on the Sports Pyramid on Mile High Sports FM 93.7, I am on there with a former Cleveland Brown. He was there for eight years of his career, linebacker Mr. Andre Davis. He lives in Colorado, Nick. What does that tell you? <laughs> People do not want to stay in Cleveland. That having been said, if he wants to break the mold and set himself apart and be a hero in Cleveland, then he needs to demand that they bring in more talent to help him because he's just like LeBron was when he was there. Not quite the athlete, but he's the only one. Who's the second best player on the Cavs? Nobody knows, Nick, because there's not a second player. It's Kyrie and then it's everybody else. Real talk, get out of there, bro. Real quickly before we get out of here. Mellow five games with 40-plus points this season. Three of those games ended up on the losing side for the New York Knicks. Scoring title, he could win. NBA title, probably not. Real talk is Mellow need to stay with the New York Knicks. Real talk, man. I don't give a crap what Carmelo does to this point. He thought that New York was going to be a better basketball market than Denver. That's why he left. Oh, that and because his wife told him to. Happy wife, happy life, right? That's what they say. Hey, that's what they say. I'm not buying it right now. Melo, I don't care where you play, what you do, what kind of titles you win. You will never, ever in your career win an NBA championship unless you pull a LeBron and team up with a whole bunch of other superstars. If you're trying to stand on your own, you can't do it. Why do you think your team loses? Because he's selfish. He doesn't pass. He doesn't play defense. Melo, you're done. No NBA championships for you. Go wherever you want. Doesn't matter. Real talk. Real talk. That is it for us, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure entertaining you for this hour thank you justin on the boards mario as usual for being my ace in the hole i would like Sir. to thank my guest canar lane from joining us also you can find both me and mario on twitter once again at mile high mario and me at nick ferguson underscore 25 stay blessed and please don't take any with nickels that means don't take any counterfeit dollars you can listen to nick secondary perspective nick ferguson secondary perspective on Voice America Sports. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, stay blessed. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. <laughs> <laughs>